Welcome to the next generation of energy with Rosewater Energy Group. Traditionally, power availability has been the overriding objective for home automation. But 21st century advances have shifted this paradigm. It's no longer a question of power availability. The real question is, how good is your power? Our podcast explores the shifting paradigm to educate our listeners on the importance of power quality, the foundation upon which premium home automation is built. Hello and welcome to The Next Generation of Energy, a podcast from Rosewater Energy Group. I'm Tyler Kern, alongside Managing Director at Rosewater Energy Group, Joe Piccarilli. Joe, how are you doing today, man? Pretty good, Tyler. It's Friday. The week's almost over, so it's good. It's hard to complain when yes. it's Friday, right? Uh, you know, no matter what else is going on during the week, you're like, you know what? It's Friday. We're going to put a happy face on this thing, and we're going to move forward. And it's hard to complain when you're podcasting, you know? I'm with you on that. <laughs> so, Joe, today we're talking intelligent residential energy design. And joining us on the podcast is someone that you know quite well. Can you introduce us to our guest today? Absolutely. I am truly honored to have Troy Morgan from Pantech Design as my guest on this podcast. Troy, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join me in this endeavor. Man, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's an honor to be here doing it, and I can't think of a better guy to do it with. I, I love doing these, and, and I hope we just continue to do them because I think they're informative, and, and I learned something, and, and that's always good, too. Well, I always have a blast having the opportunity to be a part of these podcasts, and I'm excited about this one as well as we dive into intelligent residential energy design. And Joe, let's start off here. In the past, you believed that there were four pillars of energy management. What were those four pillars, and why have you recently added a fifth? Well, you know, Troy, as, as you mentioned, in the past, I've always considered there to be four pillars of energy management design, first being power quality the striving for perfect power quality, protection against lightning or other anomalies of nature, battery backup, and renewable integration. After a few years of dealing with people's misconceptions of what batteries and renewables are capable of doing, I've added a fifth pillar. And that fifth pillar is intelligent design. And that is what's prompted me to have Troy come on this program today and talk to me about intelligence design because intelligent design is where Troy and his company shine. Troy, I'm going to turn this over to you and give us a little bit about intelligent design and what you see as client misconceptions. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, it's quite frankly one of the reasons why we named our product what we did in Adapt Energy, because if there's one thing we learned and have learned over the years, but it applies to energy tremendously, is that there's not a one size fits all. It's not always the same for everybody in every system and every project. And you do have to have expertise and intelligence in thinking through the challenges of what you're trying to achieve for the customer. And I've had many a customer say to me, well, what I want is to back up the whole house. And that is just like, it, make, it makes perfect sense to them because they want power when the power goes out. And that's fair. It's a fair request. And once you start talking them through an understanding of what that really means, especially when they say, I want to back up the whole house with batteries and do it green. And, you know, all of a sudden the, the conversation changes dramatically when they have an understanding of the costs associated with doing the very thing they're asking for. Or sometimes it's not even cost. 
Sometimes it's simply the footprint requirement of the amount of batteries they're going to need in order to back up the whole house. So this is where intelligent design really comes into play and starting to help them help the client understand the system and the, and what the system can do and and also our engineers taking a look at it from the standpoint of controlling load to achieve the true end result and that is a lifestyle unaffected by power you know I, it is interesting because I couldn't agree more with everything you said, but one thing that hit me, and it struck me uh, smack in the face when I visited you in Dallas, uh, it was a couple of months ago, I believe that was, but the ability to customize, because it is not one solution that fits all people, and it, it is what you and your engineers have done so that if a client, is, his priority is, refrigeration and some air conditioning other priorities are to preserve security and um, communication and audio video gear whatever that objective is you are able to do that customization could you explain to my audience just what happens when somebody has an intelligent design and power goes off what you're able to do yeah sure joe so when you make this initial decision, it's, it's kind of thing uh, to, to put an energy automation system in that, that has this flexibility. You, you think you know something, right? You, you think you, you have it all licked and you know what you want. And then you live a little bit with the system and you figure out that, oh, well, yes, refrigeration is very important, but you know what else is important? My koi pond or my internet, or my, you know, and, and things that, that maybe you didn't consider in the beginning now become a consideration. And so to have this flexibility of, of configuration of a system becomes just the best thing in the world. Because ultimately what we're looking to do is put a customer in a position where they have a system that's automated, they are also in control as well, and they can make on-the-fly decisions relative to the situation. One of my favorite things uh, about what we do is that, that different time of day, different time of year, different circumstances and situations definitely yield different things the consumer has about the situation they're dealing with, about the outage, whatever it may be, and will change over either time or, or, or depending on the situation. And so what you want to try to achieve is flexibility. That's the key in designing an energy automation system, recognizing up front, you don't know it all, you won't know it all. They can't tell you everything that you need to know. And so you need to design a system that is ultimately flexible for the circumstances and situations that may occur over time. That's terrific. Uh, one of the things that I have looked at, and I actually thought was virtually impossible to do until I met you. Now, here I am, I, I'm putting myself in, in the shoes of a client, and I have you know a typical outage, which is gonna last a few minutes to an hour, but all of a sudden, I have an outage that I know is going to go 
uh, is going to be measured in days. And the ability to, to, at the touch of a button, go from, hey, wait a minute, this is a short-term outage, my lifestyle is not going to change at all, to, oh my God, this is a serious outage, and to be able to hit a control button on a system and say, hunker down, and, and, and get to my, for lack of better phraseology, my super critical loads only, is a feature I really, really like. And, and I, as I see it, your, your engineers and your design team can actually set that up so somebody could do that at a touch of a button. Am I correct in that? Absolutely. In fact, what I, what I love about it is the customer or even the solar contractor or, or, like you said, our engineers, any one of them can do that. Any one of them can make that decision in real time or ahead of time or whenever to, to do that. We call those power profiles, and it's based on a feeling about the outage. I'll, I'll give you a great example. I had this happen to me personally. I had uh, the transformer down the street blew. Something happened. The utility company, we get a text from the utility company saying that transformer down the street blew. We'll have your power back in an hour. And we're like, great, no big deal, you know, peace and love. And so I let most of the load run on battery. And then I got a text saying, uh, yeah, that's not the case anymore. Um, we are not going to have your power back on until 2 a.m. And I went, holy smokes, that changes everything. I look at my estimated battery time remaining and it's, it's four hours. And I say, that's not going to fly one button later new power profile, nine hours of estimated battery time, and the hunker down situation occurred. And it, it's just, a, it's a beautiful thing to be in control of that, but also to have an unaffected lifestyle for the most part, relative to my neighbors, for sure. That, that to me, that, that feature alone, the fact that you can customize and at a, on the fly, at a touch of a button, change from lifestyle unaffected to lifestyle somewhat affected but lots of runtime is incredible i have a, a question i want to throw out there and, and just to see what your thoughts are i run into lots and lots of people who have no idea what the limitations of renewable and energy storage are i mean there are people who, as we, as we mentioned earlier, believe that it would be quite simple to just run my whole house on batteries. I'm trying to figure out, and, and maybe you can help here, how do we get across, aside from the podcast you and I both do, this idea that when you're talking about running a property off of a fixed bucket of electrons, a battery, there are huge complications involved and huge permitting issues that no one talks about. Have you any idea where the misconception comes from, or is it just the media blasting things out without explanation? Any any thoughts there? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> I was one of those people many years ago that would drive down the street and see solar power on people's homes and be like, man, a little jealous, maybe got kind of going, gee, when the power goes out, they got power and I don't. And, and that's that's a right out of the gate common misconception that people have that just because you have solar, you don't have power when the grid goes down. You need to have a home battery to power the inverters that are doing the job of converting that DC power from the you know, actual solar panel to AC power that your home runs on. And so I think 
that that and and a lot of the other misconceptions that consumers have it's really created by the marketing efforts put together by solar companies because they're trying to sell solar panels and so zero down no cost have no have no power bill ever you know these types of things that really do excite consumers i think are what is creating a lot of the misconception out there and how we how do we solve it i i mean joe you and i both know the only way to solve it is through education it's why we choose to do these things but i also think that what it's going to take is a well-known large company to sort of take the marketing media reins a little bit and help people understand that you shouldn't be designing solar systems to power a whole home. It's, a, it's an augmentation thing that you do to help offset some of your costs. Uh, and, and you should always have a home battery. And if we can do that and also help people understand how having solar affects the grid negatively in a lot of cases and how having a home battery can actually affect the grid positively in some cases. I think that's what's going to start to change those misconceptions. Uh, but I think it's going to take a big player to, to really make that happen. And it's going to have to be media, media driven. Yeah. I, I, I want to repeat one thing you said, because I, I find so many people who install solar panels who are taken by surprise. When you have solar without batteries and the grid down, your solar goes down with it. And so many people that I run into go, no one told me that would happen. And it, it is fascinating that they, that a lot of solar dealers, particularly in the heyday of, you know, utilities paying double retail for anything uh, put back on the grid uh, through a solar panel or through a renewable, neglected to mention that. And it has, in my mind, created a, a bunch of ill will from people who own solar panels who are all of a sudden going, wait a minute, for this to power my house when the grid's down, I need batteries? So it, it is a problem. And I, I guess that when marketing and engineering refuse to speak, this is the kind of issue we get into. So Tyler? No, that's Are you there? Uh, yeah, I, I, I am. I am. No, I'm, I'm just enjoying listening to you guys. Uh, you guys don't even need me for this podcast, which is... Well, if you let Troy and I go on forever, this podcast could go a day or two. But I wanted to make sure, as as our moderator and the person who's, who's there to keep us on track, do you have a question or two? I do. I, I do. Well, first of all, I, I think that that was, a, that was a really good point that you just made, because I, I think anytime there's something that is emerging people are going to, I guess, test it against what their expectations are. And so if their expectations are misplaced uh, in that, oh, I have solar, I'm going to be fine if, if the grid goes down and then that's, that's not the case and they find out later on that they, that they need batteries, I, I think that that does long-term damage, I suppose, to the, to the credibility of, of solar panels, which isn't necessarily fair. It was just bad information to begin with. So I, I, I think you're absolutely right to, to highlight that. And, and Troy, one of the things you mentioned earlier was uh, flexibility being absolutely key in designing an intelligent energy system. When it comes to flexibility, you mentioned just trying to think through all of the different scenarios. What scenarios do you typically think through? And what are all the factors that you're considering when you're designing something that does have and possesses flexibility? Yeah, so it's sort of a three-step process. The first step that you take is 
what we like to call the default or or the required step and that is you have to know what the battery can and can't power or even what solar can and can't power meaning what's your kilowatt hour usage in a given day or in a given month and you can work backwards from there a little bit to start to determine how much battery storage you're going to need how much solar you're going to need and and the like but that very first step is purely based on the size of the inverter capability in the system so meaning if the grid goes down what can that inverter handle between taking solar power and turning it into ac power or more importantly what can that inverter handle in in the battery or for the battery to power the loads in the home because anything that can't be powered or run through the inverter if you will has to be shut down so that's step one what can we power and what can't we power now the traditional design principles have required contractors to predefine this know all of this up front and then more importantly design the system in such a way that there's a separate energy panel sub panel if you will that the battery powers so all the things the battery power go in that and then everything else is in a completely separate load center well with adapt energy you don't have to think about it like that anymore but you do still have to know up front what can the battery power and what can't the battery power then the second step is to look at how long we want the battery to last so what do we have to control or ie shut down and then what might we want to shut down to make the battery last a little longer and then the very third step is simply flexibility in lifestyle so now you're looking at loads that you may or may not want depending on different situations and circumstances and the like so here's a great example of that a pool if you have an outage that occurs over days well you may not know that it's going to be days but day one you're okay shutting down the pool pump and everything because you know it's not going to last maybe for a you know six eight hour period great no problem pool not running for that period of time all right you're okay you start to look at pool pump not running day two day three you've now got totally different issues because your water is not going to be very good anymore you, you're going to have algae growth you're going to have you know all kinds of issues so maybe it makes sense to have this flexibility to run the pool pump on day two but shut down the 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 water heaters for a period of time so that you can load balance and so that third step is about flexibility relative to circumstances i can tell you that if if i lose power for multiple days here in texas i might just only keep the pool pump running and just not leave the pool for four <laughs> days that just might be my strategy but uh but no i i, I that, that absolutely makes sense so Troy, from your perspective, how, how have you seen maybe attitudes change towards towards more intelligent designed energy systems? Have you seen attitudes change, maybe trends change, and maybe people changing their minds as far as what they think about 
uh, alternative energy sources, clean energy, things along those lines. Have they become bigger topics of conversation uh, in recent years? And if so, kind of tell me a little bit more about that. Well, I do think it's it's becoming more of a topic of conversation, and and I don't see it happening per se at the consumer level so much as it's happening at the builder and developer level, because what we're figuring out is that the the consumer is deciding with the builder and developer because the builder and developer are bringing this type of technology to the table. And so the consumers, I don't think, are, are going out looking for it in a lot of cases. It's, it's more that the builders and developers and architects and the like are bringing this to the forefront of conversation. And then you start to be able to design things and do things, right? So that, that's what I'm seeing a little bit more of. But there are geographical differences to that. I can assure you, if you live in Florida, you live in California, you live in a coastal area uh, prone to having to deal with hurricanes, this is definitely on the forefront of your mind. But you've been thinking about generators. You haven't been thinking about batteries and, and, and such. So mm-hmm. they're thinking about it but they're just thinking about it differently and they do gravitate towards solar, which inadvertently starts to involve battery and intelligence and the like. Yeah, Troy, I'd, I'd like to ask your opinion on another issue tangential to this, but certainly part and parcel to it. As you know, I am a stickler about power quality and have been watching and monitoring how power quality has been changing not only in the states you just mentioned, but I would include Texas as states that are growing in population and we can't build new generation. And as you mentioned earlier, the as you add renewables to the grid in particular without batteries, you create even more power quality issues. And I know from our perspective, we are finding lots and lots of clients who are now noticing that their all of the automation and security and all of the equipment they've invested lots of money in are being compromised by power quality. And as you and I have been discussing for a long time, is, is really using part of the Adapt Energy platform so that a, a residence can maintain its power quality and runtime and renewable integration, um, essentially the touch of a button. Are you seeing the same power quality issues that are around the country? Yeah, you bet. The thing is, it's, it's all, that, that problem's always been there. I have I have had to troubleshoot many systems all around the world, Bermuda, and Caicos, in the states that were acting funny. That was the 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 consensus, right? The initial consensus. The system is acting really funny. Mm, well, when you dive down really really deep and you start looking at the foundation of the system being power, it was definitely power quality issues causing the problem and it and it it was also in especially on the islands relative to ground see those islands they they don't have a vertical ground capability like we do in the states where you can shove something directly into the ground in a really deep deep manner they have to do a horizontal ground because it's a ground plate in order to basically have have a ground at all and so, yeah, power quality, man, key. 
and is the foundation to either having major weird problems that are unexpected or not. And quite frankly, adapt energy doesn't matter if you have poor power quality because we're gonna have problems too. Our system's not gonna be able to think clearly and do its job. Now we recognized that early on. So we built in a little UPS inside of our, our technology for that very reason. But at the same time, the we control things and so if those things under our control aren't being powered by good good power then well we're probably going to be blamed to be honest because things aren't working right and so power quality is the key to or the foundation if you will to any electrical system doing its job and like you said the more people the more demand and the fact that we can't keep up with the amount of people and the demand in terms of the infrastructure and the transmission and distribution ca uh, capabilities of the utility aren't matching what's happening. And all of a sudden we got all kinds of weird issues with power and there's nothing anybody can do about it unless you make the decision to clean, if you will, the electrons coming in to your home. That's that's the only way that you can ensure that that you're it's sort of, a, you know, people spend a lot of money on insurance in case stuff happens. Right. Well, the reality is this is the best possible insurance that you can give your home when it comes to all of the technology and devices in a home. Troy, so you mentioned an interesting thing earlier that I wanted to follow up on, and that was that a lot of the the interest in the questions you're getting are from home builders, contractors, things like that. Where does where does interest need to increase? Do you think that, that more uh, more homeowners need to be asking questions of their contractors to continue to generate further interest and further uh, further development of these types of projects and, and products? Or is it more on the contractor side? Do more contractors need to be educated on the potential of these products and on what these systems provide? I think it's... I think it's both. I think it's the squeeze play, man. I really do. I, I, I think it does require both because there's only, it's only forward thinking and innovative builders and developers that are, that are even sort of going down that road. Uh, most of them, if you take an average, uh, most of them are not wanting to mess with it because they know there's costs associated. And if you, if you know anything about builders and developers, they are, all about controlling costs because their bottom line is a long road made up of by lots of bumps in it. And if they can smooth the road out, that gives them profitability in the end. And you start introducing new technologies and that starts freaking them out. And so that's where builders and developers that with that mindset need to be poked and prodded by the consumer to deliver on those types of these types of technologies for the consumer because the consumer ultimately they're, they're they're building this home they're buying this home whatever to live in not for a year in most cases they're doing it to live in for five years six years ten years who knows the rest of their lives it's always better to think through these types of things because these are foundational things in a home that we're discussing here it's way better to do that on the front side than it is to have to do it on the backside. Not that it can't be done, but it's just better and easier. And so I really do think it's a squeeze play situation. And I would challenge consumers to 
understand just a little bit more about their power use and their power bill. And again, that's something Adapt Energy does help with because we monitor things and, and we give the consumer the ability to see what's really going on. So when you have a system like Adapt Energy, you can actually see how much you're using. You can see how much you, you have in reserve, if you will. These are things that consumers really need. So here's a, one last thing and I'll, I'll, I'll shut up. One of the best ways that we can help the consumers is with simple devices that give them energy information about what they're using. And there are devices out there like Sense and some of these things. If you can even just start there, creating an awareness of how much power is being used, that's step one. And it helps a lot in terms of deciding what you might choose to do later on if, if you're looking at possibly retrofitting a system like Rosewater and Adapt Energy in a home. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Joe, anything, uh, anything you want to add? Any other questions for Troy here on this episode? The only thing I want to add is to thank Troy for sharing all of his knowledge on my podcast. Troy, I really enjoy doing these things with you. I hope we can do a couple more together at some point. Uh, I think the combination of what Adept Energy does and what Rosewater does is really something that will become very commonplace in the future. And I think it is critical for hardening of the grid and for consumer enjoyment in the long run. Thanks again, my friend. Always my pleasure. And I, I, I'm holding you to that because I want to do more of these too. And, and it is all centered around educating people about what can be, should be, and really has to be in order to, well, survive some of the craziness of demand in the utility and the, and the like. Absolutely. Well, education is, uh, is what we want to do here, right, Joe? So, uh, so we'll keep doing these podcasts and, you know, I'm sure we'll have Troy on again sometime here in the near future to continue talking about, about energy, you know, uh, and, and, you know, podcast is called the next generation of energy. So, uh, lots to dive into a lots, uh, lots to explore and lots of education that can take place. Well, Joe, uh, thank you again so much for joining me for this episode of The Next Generation of Energy. Thank you so much to our guest, Troy Morgan, CEO of Pantech Design. And of course, we'll be back soon with more episodes. But for Joe and Troy, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. We'll talk again soon.